This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. We are, have been looking at a passage here. I'll read our text scripture in Romans, the 15th chapter, verse 4. So whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we through the patience and the comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So the things that are written before, we recognize that those things are written for our learning. They're written for us to learn. And so when we read these things, these, these scriptures, and through persevering, it gives us hope. Now, we have been looking at a, at a passage uh, in the Old Testament of David when he experienced some just horrendous loss at a city called Ziklag. He and his men had been away. They came back to the city. A group of Amalekites had come in, burned the city down, kidnapped everybody, took all the stuff. And it just, it just caused such a despair. I mean, they just lost everything. But what we learned from David in this setting are things that we can look at in our own life. Some of you have felt like you have really lost a lot. Some of you have felt like you're, you're in a, a place that's been despondent. Maybe you're doing great. We can still learn from this thing because it's a great story. It was written for us. A lot of things happened to David. These things are written for us so we can learn, so we can have hope. So as we, as we lo- are looking at this story, I want, I want to look to, tonight especially And I want to talk about the recovery. We have talked about what David did when he came to the city and how, man, he just, he was so despondent. In fact, he just cried and wept. They said they wept until they couldn't cry anymore. And then David's people got angry at him and they were going to kill him. And David was greatly distressed. I mean, it's just, it was like the worst day ever. And we've talked about what David did to strengthen himself in the Lord and how to, how to get stronger in situations like that. I, I want to talk tonight about the recovery. I really believe as things start to open up for us, at, at least where we are in Texas, and I don't know where, if, where you're watching if things are still very tight or if they're beginning to open up, it, it's going to open up. And things are going to return to a, some form of normal. It may be a new normal, but it's going to get there. And so as we look at that, we want to take a look at what this recovery process can be. So I want to give you some things uh, tonight that we see that David did that we can learn from and they give us hope. Hope is a positive, favorable expectation. We can have an expectation that, we can, that God won't just be good to David or these characters in the Old Testament. God's good to us. He's the same God. And the Bible said he's no respecter of persons. So let's look in uh, 1 Samuel, the 30th chapter. We're going to look at this passage there. I believe it starts with verse 6. Let's read what happened. Now, David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself and the Lord is God. Then David said to Abathar, the priest, Amalek's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he, God answered him. Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. So David went, he and the 600 men who were with him and came to the brook Besor, where those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued, he and 400 men for 200 stayed behind who were so weary they could not cross the brook Besor. So let's talk a little bit about what David did. When, when David strengthened himself in the Lord, uh, David began to pray, but he was praying for what I'll call a stronger place. So now he's, he's gotten encouraged again. 
So now he's going to pray. And when we see David pray, he's praying for direction. And his prayers do not have a sense of desperation. It made me think just a few hours earlier, David was weeping like there was no hope. Now he's praying like there is no problem. And isn't that great? We can make that switch because we've got a big God. We may have looked at a situation and said there's no hope, but but with God, we can look at it and go, this is not going to be a problem. And David's prayers were aggressive. When he said, bring the ephod, that's a, a, a garment that the that the, the priest actually used to wear when they would appear before the presence of God. We don't have to wear that today. You can wear, you can wear what you've been wearing for this coronavirus shutdown. So if you're in sweats, you can still pray in sweats. You don't have to have a special uniform, but you do need to go and pray. And David went and prayed. And when he prayed, uh, he, he is, he's asking the Lord, what do you want me to do here? So an aggressive prayer. But David really had a history of, of asking the Lord. He typically would ask before he made moves. He, if you'll check with David, he'll, in, in his life, he would ask the Lord, should I go after them? Should I go after them? He was really smart in that he never assumed that just because he'd beaten the Philistines once that he was going to beat them again. He, he was very good about asking the Lord. Now I say that, but he wasn't perfect about asking the Lord because there was a time when a man named Nabal insulted him, just insulted him pretty bad. And David David, this godly man, told everybody to strap their swords on. They were going to kill Nabal and every man in his household. And he had a a lady named Abigail who talked him off the ledge. In fact, Abigail was the one he later married, and she's been kidnapped now. But David wasn't perfect about this. But for the most part of his life, you see David inquiring, should I go this way? Should I do this? He's asking God. And that's an important thing to do. And so as you see what David did, he, he was not perfect, but he was given a word to move on. So he was given a word, Say, Lord, should I go out? I, I like his prayer. Should I pursue them? And then the Lord answered, and was, that's, and you know, that's, that in itself is an aggressive prayer. He wasn't whining. He just said, Lord, do you want me to go after these guys? Because David had a good belief that he and God could handle this. And, and so he said, you want me to go after them? And the Lord said, pursue and you were without fail, recover on. David did not move until he had a word. He did not move until he had an answer. And that answer was a powerful answer. Now, when we're talking about recovery, let, let, let's just talk about us just for a second. So I want to take a look at what David did. I want to look at what we can do. Here's, here's the thing we can do. We can ask God in prayer. There's a lot of wisdom in asking and not assuming. In Matthew, the seventh chapter, verse seven and eight, Jesus is speaking. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and him who knocks it will be opened. Everyone who asks receives. I think a lot of times people think, well, God knows. He said, ask. And even though he knows what we have need of before, he still encourages us to ask him. So in prayer, you can go and you can ask God, but, but ask wisely. And here, here's a good thing. Don't spend a lot of time on the whys. Why did this happen? Why did this go on? Rarely is that ever a good path. You want to you ask, ask the Lord good questions. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, years and years ago, Joy and I had left. This was back in the late 90s. Joy and I had left. Uh, we were in Texas and we left to go to my hometown and start a church. Well, we recognized real quick that was a mistake. 
And so, and, and no, I, I did not ask. If you listen to Joy's side of the story, Joy knew it all along. She told me not to do it. I didn't listen to her. I've learned my lesson. But anyway, we're in North Carolina. We're there. It was a mistake. And I, I remember I'm praying for such a long time and I'm praying, God, would, would you, Lord, would you show me where it is in North Carolina that you want me to pastor? We looked all over the place. Lord, where do you want me to pastor? Lord, where do you want me to pastor? And, and I wasn't getting any answers. And I'm sitting, in a, I'm sitting in a service one night. It was about this time of year. And uh, they had a guest speaker in the church we went to. The church was like 40 miles away from us, but we drove, we went there and, and we were sitting there and the speaker just said, you know, he said, if you're not getting answers from God, he said, maybe sometimes you're asking the wrong questions. And boy, that went off in me like, a, like an explosion. And I went, oh, and, and I knew I knew I'd made a mistake. And so instead of asking, Lord, where do you want me to pastor in North Carolina? I shifted that and I began to pray, Lord, do you want me to pastor in North Carolina? See, one, one was a very n- n- narrow, limited way. The other was I opened this up. And as soon as I asked that, an answer, almost the answer was immediate. And I knew, no, he never wanted us there. Listen, when, when you ask the Lord, don't just narrow, narrow it down. Ask the Lord, how do you want me to do this? How can I handle this? It may be if you're praying about a job or your company, or you're praying about a situation that's going to change. Don't just assume you know everything that's going to happen. Ask God, Lord, how can, how can we get back on track? Lord, how can we do this? And so that's, that's, that's kind of a bigger question, but you're giving God something to work with there instead of, Lord, how am I, am I going to get this specific thing to happen? I hope that makes sense. But you want to ask wisely, but you got to ask. And so ask knowing that God can give you an answer. And then if you get a word that you can go on, and Lord, and when I say a word, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that you're going to hear a voice from heaven. I have never heard an audible voice from heaven, ever. Joy, to my knowledge, never has either. And so I've never had an angel appear to me with a flaming scroll. It'd be nice, but it just hasn't happened. But I can tell you that the the Lord often, so often leads with just impressions in the heart. You just get an impression or you just have a sensing of of what's going to go. So until you have that, do you have a peace about something or you have a, a sensing? And sometimes he can give you a scripture, oftentimes. He's given me scriptures or given joy scriptures. And that's a word. Listen, listen, you want to, you want, you want to wait till you get a word. But when you get a word, now you can act and you want to get a word for you, not just any word. In other words, you, you don't want to get a word that you heard somebody else do this and you go, oh, I'm going to do that too. No, you, you want to wait and say, Lord, what, what are you saying to me? When I was in Bible school, a number of years ago, a, a, a minister came through and he was sharing and kind of a bold guy. And he talked about that he gave a car away. He had a kind of an older car. He gave it away. And with just like a few weeks, the Lord blessed him with a nice, really nice new car. Of course, we're, we're Bible school students. Most of us were living on poverty wages anyway. <laughs> we're thinking, man, that sounds like a good deal. And I thought, man, I could give a car away. And I'm like, nah, I, I, can't, I can't give a car away. But I got a watch I don't like. I'm going to give it away. And uh, I remember when I gave it to a guy there in the Bible school, he looked at it kind of like, oh, wow, uh, thanks. I don't think it blessed him. He said, well, did the Lord give you a new watch? <laughs> no, no. I, I looked at my hairy wrist for a long time, nothing. And so 
but I, was, I wasn't acting on something that God impressed on my heart. I was acting on something God impressed on somebody else. Do you know God will talk to you? Do you know he'll lead you? Do you know he's a shepherd to you? He will be good to you. He will help you. You don't have to wait for someone else, but you can pray. David prayed, and when he had a direction, when he had a director from the Lord, then he began to act. He came down to a situation, though, we're talking about recovery, where he had some guys that I call the Too Tired 200. They came to a brook Besor, and 200 men were too tired to pursue. Now, here's, here's just an interesting point. These were men that just a few hours before were grieving and crying and weeping and blaming. They were angry at David. And you know that'll wear you out? These guys are, are so tired. The Bible said David strengthened himself in the Lord and never said that these other guys strengthened themselves in the Lord. And it had to be discouraging for David because he only had 600 men. They could probably tell from the amount of the devastation that this was a large group of, of, of soldiers they were up against. And so you have one third of your fighting force saying that they're not coming. And I, I, I don't, I'm just thinking to myself, that would have been such a hard day. You know, they're getting ready to cross the brook and, and David's you know, watching as, as all the men are getting ready to cross the brook. And one of David's aides comes up to him and said, uh, Mr. David, sir. And uh, he's, David says, yes. He said, Mr. David, um, we got some guys that are saying that they're too tired to go across this, the, the brook. They're just, they, they can't go any further. They're going to stop right here. David said, well, you know, if you've got a couple of guys, they, they, they can camp out on this side. He said, sir, it's not, it's not a couple. 20? No, no, sir. A <laughs> hundred? No. Sir, it's 200 people. I, you know, his control, David's control had to be amazing. But I, I would have gone semi-ballistic right there. You're too tired. Somebody has kidnapped your wives and your daughters and your sons. I mean, this the thought of some Amalekite with his grubby little hands on my wife, Joy, would be enough to motivate me to cross the river, to cross the brook. But you got 200 guys who said, I'm just too tired to go on. And I love what David did. You see no angry words. You see he doesn't treat them with disdain. He just keeps going. God gave him a word. It doesn't mean everything is going to line up perfectly, but David kept going. He, he said, the Lord said, you're going to recover all. David was going to recover all. So I'm going to, I'm going to have to fast forward just a little bit. They found the group of Amalekites and the Bible said they killed them. It, it, I mean, they started and they waded in on these guys and they're killing them left and right. And they're doing it like all day long. They said, except for 400 of the Amalekites that escaped on camels. That means 400 got away. That means they killed a whole lot. They were way outnumbered from the beginning. And they, they killed these Amalekites. A bunch of them ran away and they got all their wives back and their kids back and they got their stuff back and they got the stuff that the Amalekites had stolen from other people. So man, they actually wound up with more. And as they, as they were coming back, they came back to that very same brook, Besor. And what happens here is what you can imagine would happen. These men have gone, they fight, fought, they've got 
where they're probably sweaty and tired and they're walking back with their wives and families. And then we got a whole lot of wives and, and kids that are walking back whose husbands didn't show up. That's going to be a conversation. But here's what David, here's what David did when they come back to this brook, be sore. It's found here again. Now, David came to the 200 men who had been so weary they could not follow David, whom they also had made to stay at the brook Besor. So they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we've recovered, except for every man's wife and children, that they may lead them away and depart. But David said, my brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us, who has preserved us and delivered into our hands the truth that came against us. For who will heed you in this matter? As his part is who goes down to the battle, so shall his part be who stays by the supplies. They shall share alike. Now here's what this, when I read that, David's perspective was amazing. One, he treated these men better than they deserved. He was respectful of them. He didn't disdain them. I mean, you got people going, are you kidding? We're not giving them anything. And David, David was very respectful to him. But here's one of the key things. David acknowledged that God was the source of their victory. He put no pressure on the men. His eyes were on God. He wasn't looking at the men. He, he said, it's God who delivered this group of Amalekites to us. It's not that we're such awesome fighters. It's God. And because of that, he was able to be gracious to these men. So here's, here's, our, here's David. Now here's our application. Here's, here, here's for us keeping our eyes on the Lord as well. A couple of things. One is this, living in grief and despair will wear us out. If we live, this is one of my biggest concerns with this pandemic. Yes, the health concerns. Yes, the economic concerns. But it's also, as a pastor, I'm concerned about the spiritual condition of people because the despair and the heaviness is, is, is wearing people down. And in fact, it says this in, in Proverbs, in uh, Psalms 118, it says, my soul melts from heaviness or grief. Strengthen me according to your word. That the psalmist was saying, I, I said, this is David who wrote this. He said, my soul melts or drops for grief, but strengthen me according to your word. I said, that's such a key thing. And, and I realize the economic thing is, is a challenge. I realize the health thing is a challenge. But what's also a challenge is the idea that people have allowed grief and despair and heaviness to weigh on them and it's caused them to be weak. And so, you know, when, when you're weakened, it'll, it'll take the fight right out of you. So living in grief is not going to help us. Second thing we have to understand, we can learn this from David, is we can't put pressure on people during this time. This is where we're going to have to keep our eyes on the Lord. We can't make people our source. You know, when the pressure comes on, it's so easy to begin to look around you and to go, well, they should be doing this or this company should be doing this or, or my in-laws, they have, they have money. They you really have to be careful of, about that and because people are human and, and people will disappoint you, but God never will. There's a, in Psalms again, and I love this, Psalms 118, it says, it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Now, it didn't say that you can't 
put confidence in people, but he said it's better to trust God. And as we trust the Lord, then it, it helps us take some of the pressure off of people and expectations. I, I could go into a whole teaching on that, but when your expectations are here and reality is there, then this area gives us a lot of gap in which to get offended or hurt or upset. So putting our confidence in the Lord is key. The more we depend on and acknowledge the Lord, the more gracious that we can be with people. The more we depend on and acknowledge the Lord, the more gracious we can be with people because we realize, hey, what do we have that we didn't receive? Hey, the Lord has been good to us. And I believe every one of us can say this. The Lord has been better to us than we deserve. He's been better, I promise you. He's been better to me than I deserve. I know some of you think joy is perfect. She is not. The Lord's been better to her than she deserves. Listen, the Lord's been better to all of us. That's his grace in our life. And the more we acknowledge his grace and the more we just say, Lord, my eyes are on you. I can't look at everybody else to, to, to meet all my expectations. My eyes are on you. And as we do that, that makes us a gracious person. In Matthew, we won't take a look at that, at, that, at that verse, but in Matthew, Jesus said, you freely received, freely give. And the more we realize we receive, the more it's easy to be gracious with other people. And we realize, hey, if it wasn't for God's grace, I'd be in a, in a worse situation. So that helps me keep my eyes on the Lord. Here's the last thing. Now, this is, this is gonna sound like a, a, a diversion here. But this, this is a passage that's in the Bible. It's in this story. And I really believe it's there for a reason. And it's just this little obscure, it's almost like one of these little hidden nuggets in this passage that you're like, why, why is that even there? Let, let's read it in 1 Samuel 30, 11. So, they're, they're, so I backed up now. They've crossed the brook. They're getting, ready to, they're, they're getting ready to go find the Amalekites. Hadn't found them yet. I kind of went forward, then I backed up. So I want you to see this passage. They found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and they gave him bread and he ate and they let him drink water. And they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him for he had eaten no bread nor drunk water for three days and three nights. Then David said to him, to whom do you belong? And where are you from? And he said, I'm a young man from Egypt, servant of an Amalekite. My master left me behind, but because three days ago I fell sick. We made an invasion of the southern area of the Cherethites in the territory which belongs to Judah and of the southern area of Caleb and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, can you take me down to this troop? So he said, you swear to be by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master and I'll take you down to this troop. Now listen, they could have said this. They found an Egyptian slave in the field and he led him to the troop. But they go into all this detail. And so why in the world do they go into all this detail? I think there's a reason for all this detail. They, they found him. He was in a bad way. He was sick. He was abandoned and weak. Before he could help them, they had to get him stronger. So he had, had no food, no water for three days. He was barely surviving. After eating and drinking, his strength came back. And then he was able to help David. After eating and drinking, they gave him some bread. They gave him some fig newtons. They gave him some raisin bran. And after he had eaten that, he said his strength came back to him. He hadn't had any food and they gave him food and water and his strength came back. After his strength came back, he was in a position to help David. He took them down. He must, the, the Malachites must have hidden 
He showed them a secret passage where the Amalekites were that David didn't know, saved David a ton of time. And David was able to, to wipe out those Amalekites and get everybody back. But the Egyptian helped him after he was strengthened. Now here's, here's my point, and I think this is real key. We have to be strong enough to be of help. When we are barely making it, we're in no position to help others. And in this recovery, we have to be nourished spiritually. First Timothy 4 says, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Here's what I want you to see. Nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine, which you've carefully followed. Guys, listen. It's spiritual strength is, is, is actually on a higher level than natural strength. And natural strength is a picture of that. And so if we don't eat, if we don't take nourishment, we're not going to be strong. And, and I know you say, well, Alan, you always seem to get around to reading your Bible and praying. Yeah, that's exactly where I'm going with this. We need the bread of life and we need the nourishment. We need the water, the waters of the spirit. And you know, Jesus talked about that he was the bread of life. His word is life to us. And it also talked about that his spirit will be in us like a well of water. In fact, he said he can even be like a rivers of water talking about the Holy Spirit. We need both of them in our life because they nourish us and help us. Listen, during this time when maybe you have some extra time and I realize people are starting to get back and that's good, but use the rest of this time until you're back in your regular schedule to strengthen yourself on the inside because when you're stronger, you're in a position, I'm in a position to be of help to people. When I was in my 20s, it seemed like I, we went through a period there where I was always helping somebody move. We were moving, other people were moving and man, we're carrying, I can remember, I hate carrying sleeper sofas up flights of stairs and I helped Joy's sister move. I mean, we moved all the time. When I moved into my 50s and 60s, people stopped calling me to ask me to help them move. They were probably looking at him going, no, this brother's day of moving is gone. And I appreciate that because I'm not going to move you anymore. I will pay somebody to help move you, but I'm not doing it. But when I had the strength, I could do it. Listen, when you have the strength, you can be a help. Strength is, a, is an asset, an advantage in any situation. We need strength when times are bad. We need strength when times are good. And we certainly need strength to be able to recover. And so during this time, if you, like, if you put your Bible aside, if you're just not reading, if you're just kind of binged out and are just watching, there's, there's no condemnation on that, but it's not helping you. You can get stronger, pick up your Bible again, begin to read it again, because it, those words will help you. Say, well, you know what? I, I, I read my Bible. I don't feel stronger. Listen, I've seen guys come into the gym where, where I've worked out and you see these little kids come in skinny as they can be and you see them work out and then you see them looking over in the mirror like, am I getting any stronger? You get discouraged that way. Don't ask yourself, am I getting stronger? God's word is life to you. It is health to you. It will strengthen you. His spirit will nourish you. You can be stronger. And when you're stronger, you can be in position to be a blessing to the people around you. And really, guys, that's what this is all about. In 2 Corinthians, Paul said this. He was talking about Jesus, but it's a message for us. And he, Jesus died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, 
but for him who died for them and rose again. Listen, when you, when you're stronger, you're a blessing to the Lord and you can be a blessing to people. And you talk about a great way to recover. That's a great way to recover. We're praying. We're looking to the Lord instead of looking to people and we're nourishing ourselves spiritually. Those are three, three good ways to recover. We're going to recover. We're coming back stronger. You can come back stronger. Use this time and use it wisely. I was reading an article the other day and it was talking about learn a new skill, learn something new for your job. I think that's a great idea. My goal, and I hope your goal is, I'm going to come out of this stronger spiritually than I went in. And I'm going to be more of a blessing in the end. Listen, I'm, if you're sitting there today thinking, you know, I don't even know if I have a relationship with the Lord. We want to pray with you. And I'm going to lead you into prayer. Maybe you're like I was. You've gotten away from God and you recognize in your heart, I need to come back to God. I, I've been away and I want to come back. And so we're, we're going to say a very simple prayer. I'm going to lead you in it. You're not joining the church, but what you're doing is making a connection with the Lord that will make all the difference in the world. And so if you want to pray with, let, let's bow your head and you pray. I'll lead you in and you pray this out loud so you can hear yourself. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. Thank you, Father, for those who have made a connection with you or those who have reconnected. And Father, for those who are living and walking with you, help them, strengthen them. Father, help them recover. Help them get back to a place that's even better than where they were before this thing happened. Father, thank you that with you, all things are possible. And if you help David recover all, you can help us recover all as well. Lord, we give you all the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.